You are listening to Half Torah, the Shear series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayikra, and the Half Torah comes to us from Sefer Yeshaya, Yeshayahu, Perak Mem Gimel, through Perak Mem Dalid, 43 to 44. And this Half Torah is a little bit of a break from what we've been doing recently. We just came out of the Dalad Parshios, and we've been doing Half Torah Shiurim twice a week to get in the regular Parsha Shavua's Half Torah. And to get the actual Haftarah that we read during the Dalat Parshios, the unique Haftarahs that correspond to the Maftir. But now we have a little bit of a break from that, at least for a week, because then next week's Parsha with Parsha Tzav, it is also going to be Shabbos Hagadol. And even though Shabbos HaGadol does not have its own maftir in Kriyas HaTorah, it does have its own Haftarah from Navi. Something to think about for next week, why it has a special Haftarah, especially considering the fact that it doesn't have its own maftir from the Chumash. But that's something for you to think about for next week when we will be doing, once again, two Haftarah Shirim. But in the meantime, we return now to a standard Parsha Shavua and a standard Haftarah, and you really can't get more standard of a choice for a Haftarah than, say, for Yeshaya, um, which we've mentioned in the past is the most commonly featured Navi in Haftarah. And we're going to try to figure out from the Navi what our Parsha is about. And one of the challenges, I think, that we face when we get to Sefer Vayikra is how it's hard to relate to the contents of Sefer Vayikra. And even to consider the name Vayikra, which literally just means, and he called. So there, like, it's hard to imagine in our own minds like, what, what to do with that Sefer. What does the fact that Hashem calls out to Moshe really have to do with the rest of the book of Vayikra? And especially since Vayikra is a complicated parsha, when we are talking about being Mavir Sedra, when we are talking about doing Shemek Avecha Targum and just learning the parsha, it's one of the harder ones to, to connect to. And the question is, if our Navi this week, our Haftarah this week, can help us with this new challenge of Sefer Vayikra. So, what is Sefer Vayikra about? Well, Vayikra is the time where we are opening the manual for Avodah Sheba Mikdash, right, the temple service. And we have to ask ourselves, why are we talking about this now? So, it makes sense if you consider what we just talked about previously. Right? Previously, at the very end of Sefer Shemos, we were talking about the Mishkan series. Right? And the Mishkan series is the other series that, that finished last week, where we actually had two series that we were working on for the past few weeks. One of them was the Dalad Parshas, the other was the Mishkan series. And this, uh, the, this particular Parsha about the Karbanos, about what you do in the Mishkan, what you do in the Mikdash, it is the most natural follow-up to the Mishkan series because it's telling us what do we do once you have a Mishkan. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to enter the Mishkan when Hashem's Shechina and his cloud descended over it. And then, all of a sudden, Hashem calls out to Moshe at the beginning of our Parsha to say, okay, you can come in and here's what you're going to do when you get here. So it all, it all flows really nicely if you consider the end of Sefer Shemos going into the beginning of Ayikra. Now, question, at least one of the common questions that's raised when we consider the concept of avoda, the services that we do in the Mishkan, is how is it that we can actually appease or please the intimate, omnipotent, almighty God through Karbanos? through animal sacrifices. Why does he need such a thing? Does he need such a thing? 
Presumably not. Hashem doesn't need anything. And we don't think that God can actually get and derive any benefit through the carbonos, do we? So, I believe that, in truth, he really shouldn't need the offerings. Yet, in our Haftarah this week, Yishayahu, which begins from Perak Mem Gimel, Pasuk Chav Aleph, and goes all the way to Mem Dalid, Pasuk Chav Gimel. So that's 43.21, going all the way to 44.23. In our Haftarah, Yishayahu specifically tells us about Hashem's utter disapproval when we neglected to offer Him our olos and zvachim, our animal sacrifices. If you look at the very end, if you look at the very end, in uh, the very end of the first parak of our Haftarah, in Mem Gimel, Chaf Gimel, forty-three twenty-three, Hashem says, "Hey, why didn't you offer me your olos and your zvachim? You didn't give me your burnt offerings and your feast offerings." And as we are segueing over into the actual navi, I want to actually dedicate the shir but again, the challenge of Karbanos is why they're necessary. I have to kill an animal in order to advance my relationship with Hashem. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's just strange. Some, it's, it's, very hard, it's very hard for us to understand that and how we could add anything on to Hashem. And yet again, our Navi is telling us, why didn't you bring me the Karbanos? And it's odd enough that we actually burden ourselves to offer something to Hashem, which of course he doesn't need. It's even more strange that he gets upset when we fail to do so. So as far as why we offer God animals in the first place, if he doesn't even need them, which is a common question, there is also a pretty common answer. Granted, Hashem does not physically desire or have an emotional need for our animal sacrifices, and the whole point of karbanos is, as the root of the word karban implies, karav means to become close with our Creator. This is what Rav Shamshin of all Hirsch elaborates on. And we do that by genuinely giving up of ourselves to present something from ourselves that at least we value. And we present that to Him, and we give it to Hashem to keep Almost no differently than the way a child scribbles his sloppiest but most heartfelt drawing for his mommy. And, of course, she doesn't need it, but it means something. In fact, it means the world to her. It's her link to her child. It's her relationship with her child. And she's going to take that drawing and she's going to put it up on the fridge or somewhere up in the house where everyone can see it so that the child knows that I value you. And perhaps in a similar vein, that is... One way we can look at our karbanos that we offer to Hashem, and it makes a lot of sense. And maybe as helpful as the analogy is, it does not seem to completely answer the challenge posed to us by our haftara. And it could be that you're not fully satisfied with it for that reason. Maybe not as it connects to our haftara, but you might not be satisfied because it feels a little bit maybe patronizing, a little bit like, really, are we just that little baby? We're that little kindergartner coming home with a, with a dumb drawing. And maybe we actually have to humble up a little bit and say, or humble down a little bit, and say, yeah, you know what? We are Hashem's babies, and we do have our insecurities, and we do have our things that we want, and we do want to make Hashem happy in any which way, and we're desperately trying through our mitzvot and through all the other things. And we should feel like we are children. And I think that, you know, that, 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 that's okay. But let's, let's go back to our analogy. Consider the following. 
yes, the mother cherishes the fine art of her child and will hopefully accept it warmly and enthusiastically each time he offers it to her. But let's say there's one day that the child does not come home with the drawing, right? So here's the question. Will this mother of that kindergartner get angered, upset, or even slightly offended on the day that her child does not come home with that scribble-scrabble, that mishkebabble artwork? The answer is most probably not. She doesn't need more artwork for the fridge. The fridge is already full. The walls of, uh, you know, one wall in my, in my apartment is filled with my son's artwork. And even without that artwork, you have a child, you're going to love that child no matter what. Moreover, the child probably still loves his mother, even if he doesn't show it with a new drawing every single day. It's definitely not the end of the world if he doesn't bring home the drawing. So why does Hashem get upset, at least from what our Navi tells us in this week's Haftarah, why does Hashem get upset when we neglect to give him offerings? I think the answer to this question must be that obviously the role of Karbanos in our relationship with God is somehow more fundamental and crucial to our relationship with God. The question then is how? Why is the child's drawing for his mother not as essential his relationship with her. Would we not say that like a mother for a child, that Hashem will love us as his children, even if we should fail to offer him the sloppy mishkebabble carbon, which he doesn't need? With all of our faults, with all of our lackings, would we say that just because we neglected an offering, or let's say we missed a tefillah here or there, that that means that we don't love Hashem? one time that we missed Mincha, the time that we didn't give our full kavanah to Shachris. It wasn't our best day. The time that we were up all night because of the kid crying and things just didn't work out. Apparently, Hashem rightfully has higher expectations for us than a mother for her young child. Children might present their offerings to their mothers for a bunch of different reasons, but at the end of the day, the mother has few expectations for that young child. And that's because he's young, naturally selfish, dependent, and has all of his childish insecurities. So she's not going to be upset about a drawing. However, think about when this child will eventually grow up and then gain a sense of responsibility. His mother will begin to hold him accountable for laziness, selfishness, gross negligence for things that are important. It will no longer be okay if he does not do his chores or if he does not show appreciation or if he does not somehow in some way communicate his understanding of what's important in his relationship with his parents to thank them and not completely ignore them. We were wondering before, is it fair to compare ourselves to that child who brings home a drawing, that little, that little scribble and coloring out of the lines, and, we, we, and the child brings home and says, Mommy, look what I made you. And to compare ourselves to that, like, like come on, really, are, are we little kids? And on the one hand, again, I argue that maybe, yeah, maybe yes, maybe it's fair for us to look at ourselves as children. But I think it's time that within our relationship with Hashem, we also have to see ourselves as, yes, maybe at early stages we are like those children, but we have to at some point see ourselves as teenagers who maybe go through periods of rebellion, phases, and then eventually adults who hopefully at some point, just like we want with our kids for us when, we, when they are older, 
hopefully we will grow out of our immature phases. We will grow out of certain insecurities. We will grow out of certain, of, of certain traits that we should no longer be manifesting. And to grow a, a, and gain a sense of responsibility, a sense of accountability, a sense of regard. At some point in our relationship with Hashem, we have to make ourselves more than just a child bringing home a piece of artwork. Now, compared to God, to, compared to Hashem, we humans are certainly childish, even if we don't want to admit it. We too are young, naturally selfish, and quite dependent as much as we like to think that we are not. Hashem has been around for way longer than we have been. Give me your oldest person, 120 years old, Hashem has been around for much longer. We are all his baby children. However, Hashem has simultaneously given in us an adult sense of responsibility. The thing that, once again, we hope that all of our children will one day have. As much as we remain children in God's eyes, He also views us as grown-ups whose actions and lack thereof make a difference. Therefore, we must put forth some kind of action, even something as seemingly insignificant as an animal sacrifice, or a shachar soramencha or a mayrev, to show that we are mindful of our relationship with Hashem. Even the slightest token of appreciation would make a difference. And if Hashem has created an institution for us, which gives us a standard, right? Can you give more than just a karbana? There, there are different kinds of karbanos. Right? And the olos and the zvachim that we mentioned, those are not even karbanos that have to respond to particular averos. Those are positive karbanos. We're talking about karbanos where we are just trying to say hello to Hashem. Just to communicate with Hashem our goodwill. We're not talking about karbanos that you have to bring for a chatas, for a chet that you did, or an averot that you did, or an asham, a guilt offering. Where we, we are talking about, did you greet Hashem today? Did you acknowledge Hashem today? Did you appreciate Hashem today? Did you want and yearn and hope and attempt to give something, anything back to Hashem today? No, you will never be able to repay Hashem for all the things that He's done for you. But can you give Him something? Are you able to give Him something? Just something that says that you gave to me, I want to give something back. Ma'ashiv la Hashem. What can I possibly repay Hashem? And this final point about what we can possibly give, what can we put into action, is perhaps the most important point in terms of the institution that Hashem has granted us, whether it's through Kerbonos, whether it's through davening. Yes, a standard was created, whether it's a thank you note, whatever it is, this is what makes the difference, I believe, between a relationship and a theory, a thought. Because there's a famous expression that's used all the time. It's the thought that counts. Which obviously has a lot of true meaning into it. But I would say in many ways, it's not entirely true. Yes, when you, you, you can create a piece of artwork and the child thinking about you, yes, there that's a time where it is the thought that counts. The child really tried, and the child did, the, did his best. But the thought is only as valuable as the, I wouldn't say the final product, but it's only, it's, 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 the thought is only as valuable 
as the actual effort that was put into it. Because thought, in and of itself, is just, it's just a thought. It's just theory. It's just conceptual. It's just thinking. It's intellectual. And we have intellectual responsibilities. Chovas Halavavos talks about all of our intellectual and emotional responsibilities in our relationship with Hashem. But we know that in our Orthodox Judaism, in Yiddishkeit, in Yahadus, we can't just think. It's not just about the spirit. It's not just the thought. We have things that we have to do. Right? There, there are other sects of, of Judaism, the illegitimate ones, that believe that it's all about the thought, that it's the thought that counts, and just the thought, and that the action is less significant. We can even do away with some actions. In Rav Shamshin and Father Hirsch, he fought against those movements, saying that, yeah, it's, it's the other side of the coin of the Chovas Halavavos. Yes, the thought, it's important, but the action. Right? So on the one hand, it can certainly be applied to our discussion as the incorporeal God does not exactly desire the physical carbon itself. But it's the thought that counts, the fact that you want to bring that offering as your token to Hashem, that means something. But at the same time, again, it's not really true because is it really the thought of bringing the carbon that God really appreciates? We can argue that if that's true, then one should never have to practically do anything. No actions necessary. No karbanos, no mitzvos, and you don't even need to stand and, and say Shemona Esrei. Just think about your relationship with Hashem. Meditate on it. Think about loving Him. Meditate on thoughts of theoretically serving Him and giving Him theoretical karbanos. Now, if it was purely the thought alone that counts, then we can probably just uproot most of the Torah. And again, people have tried doing that. Infamously. Obviously, the mere thought is not enough. And in most relationships, that is the truth. Marriage, relationships with your, with your children or your parents, there's something to be said about action, doing, moving, performing, something. And it's true that sometimes one can try to perform the requisite action and ultimately fail. But even the attempt to act is worth more than a dormant thought. Action or even the attempt and will to act tells us what thoughts are where the heart truly is. It's the physical action that expresses and actualizes the thought of our hearts, which is why the tefillin of our hand is actually worn on the arm so as to correspond to our heart and emotions. Right? Does the tefillin shaliyad correspond to the heart or to the hand? It's both. It's not enough for it to just be in your heart. And it's not enough just to have a tefillin on your head to think about it. But it has to be on your arm that it's part of your action. And your action says what's in the heart. Right? And as, as we also find with regards to the final paragraph of Shema, we say that the eyes see, the heart wants, and then the person acts. So, when we lull ourselves into thinking wrongly that God does not require real actions of us, that he doesn't actually care for our karbanos, then we begin to relinquish the entirety of the Torah, which calls us to action, vayikra. And this is the point, I believe, of the Haftarah. That lofty thoughts alone do not make for an intimate relationship. And if you just think thoughts, try it in marriage, thinking about your spouse without doing anything about it, is not going to last. Thinking about how much you love your kids or thinking about how much you love your parents without doing something, without communicating, the relationship is not going to last. If the loved one 
calls for the other. There must be an active response. That's the purpose of our existence, to be God's praise in the world by responding to His call. The Navi tells us that when Hashem called Vayikra, we did not care to call back. The relationship with Him did not matter to us, and so what can one expect for such a relationship? The success of a relationship can only ride on both parties, exerting themselves as much as each can. If we do not sacrifice that carbon, then we're withholding the toil desperately needed for the relationship. If Hashem has created a standard because we could not find the right words, so we say, Hashem, Hashem, you open up my mouth and tell me what I should say. And the Anshei Knesset Sagadola have given us a script. The Torah has so kindly given us a script, which might otherwise be considered arbitrary, of what animals we can bring, how we can do it. And yes, in the absence of a Beis HaMikdash, the institution has changed. But if you need a template, you can get a template for so many things. You could find them on the internet, chat, GBT, whatever it might be. There are templates, there are models to communicate everything. Even if we can't properly find the words, and that's okay if we can't find the words, but if our thought and our heart and our will is there, we will find some kind of action to respond to Hashem's call to us. We shall be zochah to not only cherish our relationship with Hashem, but to show it through action, to answer His call, offering Him the toil of our hands, and He should accept our services favorably and hopefully allow us to participate in Avodah Shev Mikdash once again with our own karbanos in the days of Mashiach from Harib Menu. Have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos. If you enjoy these shirim and others like it on the podcast and you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group with links for every uploaded shir and updates and even shirim of the archives, especially all the Pesach content that I have, it's all put onto the database podcast WhatsApp group. So to be a part of that, all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at the database.